Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz Fiddler. We are going to do a bonus episode today. If you haven't listened to the mini series yet on how I would start a flower farm with $100, $1,000, and $10,000, go ahead and go back and listen to those episodes previously. But we offered that people could send in an email. So our email is podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com and send in questions as they were listening to them. So we have kind of a fair amount of questions that people sent in. But then we also have about 20 people or so that are live on the chat and they can just send in questions. And then of course, this will be recorded and sent air and, you know, published on the podcast. That's how we usually do these Q and A's. But it is beneficial to be on the actual webinar because one hint, hint, we always give pretty like cool little bonus discounts, whatever. We're doing an enormous giveaway and the odds are very much in your favor. And I'll get to that in a little bit, but that's kind of a little marketing lesson that I want to share, like who I want to get the giveaway. And it was very, very intentional about not posting it a ton on my Instagram page. I I know that I never made a post about it. I know I never, you know, I just slipped it into one episode saying, hey, we're giving away, we're literally giving away a $1,500 course mm-hmm. because I want the most engaged people and I want to reward The people who are ready to take this next step in their journey. Have already been taking it. And that's Mm -hmm. who's going to be successful. Again, so that was very intentional. So if you have questions about, I mean, literally, just go ahead and ask. I mean, if you're starting a flower farm, put them in the chat. But we're just going to go through the line. And then Abby is going to do her presentation. And yeah, we'll just kind of go from there. So I, I copied and pasted all the questions. So I don't have all of the names of who sent what? So I I forgot to write that down. But one person wrote, what cut flowers would do best in grow bags? And if you have any tips for growing while renting a house in our small backyard, the owner gives me permission for anything gardening that I would like. So my first thing that I want to say is define grow bag. I'm assuming it's like the bags that sit on the ground. If it's like you know, the bags that are planted and like the the stuff hanging out of it for decoration, like those are challenging because obviously the moisture and all of that. So I'm assuming it's, it's more or less crate growing or like how I do my tulips. And honestly, for that, I would just say, you know, because so I'm not great if there were things. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Sasha is the one who wrote. Um, That's me. I have five, 20. Okay, so they're 20-gallon fabric grow bags. Oh, okay. So these are like okay. the petunia ones. Okay, I'm okay, thinking cool. of like the petunias that are hanging out. and like <laughs> That's exactly oh, what I pictured. I'm like, this is a problem, I think. <laughs> okay, no. Five to <laughs> 20 gallons. Bags? Nothing. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Honestly, I would say, yeah, because anything that's not in the ground, I kill. Like houseplants, I made it three years, but I kept I kept Josh's uh, funeral plants. I kept one of them out of about the 30 that I got, and it was a Christmas cactus, which are impossible to kill, and I managed to kill one. So potted plants, I don't do well with. But grow bags, I would say as a general rule, anything that's not going to have like a huge root ball. Sunflowers, probably not, because they destroy that topsoil anyway. Dahlias, I I think it just depends on how well drained they are. Dahlias, I don't know if I would risk growing dahlias in those because they could rot if they're not drained properly and just kind of have to keep an eye on it. And it might be more trouble than it's worth. Although I don't want to tell you not to, oh, they they drain drain really well. well. Okay, perfect. 
then I would say, honestly, it go for it. Dahlias might be really cool because you probably would have a really easy way of, you know, digging up those dahlias in the fall and, you know, root balls or whatever. But I think that would be really helpful. And then again, renting a house, you know, obviously that's why you're using the grow bags because you're renting. I talked to someone today. So when, if you do the course peddling perishable products, which I mean, obviously this is somewhat of a sales pitch of that. If I'm being honest, like if, if you want to, it it starts March 1st. That's that's literally my sales pitch. You either want to do it or you don't. It's fine. You've, you've been learning about it. But so I did a, at the end of it, you get a one hour phone call. And I did a one-to-one today with um, one of the students that just finished it. She did it in the fall and they're just kind of wrapping up those phone calls. So it's a one-on-one coaching session. And she will not be moving till their like forever home until it'll be about five years. But they know already where it is. It's the family farm, whatever. But we really talked through one by one, like what types of plants I'm like, well, can you go out there and plant some peonies? Can you, you know, just to get that established. But again, if you're renting, it's kind of up to you. I mean, is he going to let you put a garden as long as you turn it to grass at the end? But I think the grow bags is a really good idea. Someone said, you mentioned not purchasing mixes of zinnias. So what are your top five colors? So yes, unfortunately, do I, I mean, is it that big of a deal? No, not, nothing is, there's no emergency. There's no like, you failed, you get an F if you buy mixes. Like I, I did it at the very beginning too. But when you are, when you are growing flowers and you're having to pick them and sort them and do it that way, it's, if it adds, oh, it's 10 minutes of sorting, what's the big deal? Well, 10 minutes every day, all summer long for 90 days, that's, that adds up. And so I would say if I was picking zinnias, I mean, the colors that I grow are colors that work well together. Whites, pinks, purples, salmons, limes. Yellows and reds are just really hard to mix and they don't play well with other colors. And they just take a lot of extra thought when you're mixing them together. So whites, pinks, purples, salmon, lime green. Um, The color of the year is coral, salmon, yeah, so that's salmon. Ish, apricot, whatever, whatever, apricot. I and don't your know, salmons like that you had last year were so pretty. Yeah, and I, I figured it was going to, like, that's been on trend. That's that's what I ordered. Um, so another little random tip. I I have, like, five florists that I grow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're florists. They're, like, studio florists. And the definition of a studio florist, which I didn't realize until last year, but a studio florist is someone that does usually out of their home. Sometimes they have a cooler, but they do flowers for events. They're not a traditional florist in that they, you can just call them up and say, Hey, there's a funeral. Hey, there's, I need flowers tomorrow. They do specific florists. I think of it as like almost same day special orders. Yeah. Yep. And so they like, I mean, I would say last summer I probably did a thousand bucks worth of flowers for a few different florists and they just like, they would messaging message me, but, um, they recommended the apricot colors last fall already when I was buying my plug. So if you have a florist or someone that you're buying, that you know, you're going to sell to ask them, ask them what colors they want, you know, what your market wants. But I think whites, pinks, purples, salmon, lime green are going to be good. Someone said, I know results can vary, but can you give a basic <laughs> grow t- what 20 things for your first year? Oh man. So um, ambitious. I'm going to say probably don't grow 20 things, but that's okay. And I, I get, I, I appreciate the sentiment and don't feel embarrassed. Like I don't mean to call you out or like, 
say that you're doing it wrong, but like 20 things, that's, that's quite a bit. However, maybe it's, you know, different colors, different varieties, but I think it's important to have some wins. So you need some success. So like stuff that can be direct seeded and be very abundant that you don't have to really do much with. So like basil, zinnias, I mean, even cosmos can be kind of hard um, because you sometimes have to trellis them and they get really ugly looking and, but they're a good, really, honestly, I feel like cosmos are a year one or two flower and then you're like five and beyond because you decide they're not worth it and then you decide they're worth it again. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but I feel like they're a, they're like a gateway flower and then you realize they're annoying and then you come back to them and you appreciate them again. Um, zinnias, I love Benary's Giant, Oklahoma Salmon, Queen Lime. Um, Benary's Giant, they're, you know, your big ones. They're, they bend really easily, so you have to be careful with those petals, but they're just going to add a lot of volume and shape to those bouquets. People in U-Picks love them. They just, they last a fairly long time. They're awesome. Oklahoma Salmon, I get the salmon color and I get the white, and they're kind of like, so those are the zinnias that were like this big around, Mm -hmm. um, like the size of... I don't know, a little bigger than a quarter, but they would have like all these layers to them. And then the queen lime, I love, they were like the lime green color or like there's the red color with like kind of the lime green, um, kind of watermelony Yeah, is what I would describe them. Um, some sunflowers, I would say maybe some calendula. It has a really short base life. Um, and then, you know, you can start with a tray or two to just get started. And I, I said this in, I don't know if it was the thousand dollar, the $10,000 episode, but I think that a lot of the value that comes from buying and ordering plugs is that you have done seeds and you understand how much easier it is to just get plugs. I think if you started out just buying plugs, you're not going to understand the investment. And I, and I don't mean that from a place of like, ignorance, like the math, but it's, you wouldn't value your time as much because you wouldn't appreciate it as much. So like Snapdragon status, things that are going to be very abundant and a high reward that continue producing. Snapdragons can be a little tricky to start. I always put saran wrap on top of them until they germinated. And then I took that off. But so that can be like kind of your little challenge. The other recommendation I have, I don't know in the chat can you guys put have any and do not feel bad if you haven't but have any of you guys bought my cut flower crop planner that I published I'm just curious if any of you have bought it okay Morgan says she has so yes okay Kate perfect yeah no don't say sorry you don't need to apologize no need to apologize so in there so I I really was very intentional about that planner because I I have been trying to take notes. I've been taking notes in my, you know, in a Google Doc. I've been taking notes in the notes tab of my phone. You planned out your garden this year on the back of a coloring page with a red crayon. So? (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) She's hot. Um, So anyway, there is a space in there as a... So is it a digital planner? Nope. It's... Well, it's not a digital planner. It's a... It's like a physical... Do I have one? Oh God, there's got to be one I'll somewhere. Find one. Go find someone. I know there's one in the garage. Abby's going to run to the garage. There's one in a box in there. Remember my basement is a construction zone. Um, but there is a, there is a grid on there where you can write the bouquet name and then you can put 
either there's all these squares in there for each month and there's columns and there's like there's many different ways you can put it in there but you can put like the first day that those flowers start blooming you can write an actual date you can fill in you know the last third of the box and that means that they started blooming roughly the 20th of that month or whatever and I think that that is going to be one of the most beneficial things because so it's it's a planner for the beginning of the season but it's it's more so a note taker and a tracker so you can go back and look at okay when were things blooming there's every single week that breaks up thank you um every single week breaks up um but there's ways that you can like take notes on the season so the bouquet tracker oh let's see it's right here so it's right here so you put you know, you could put whatever the flower is and then when it blooms. So this is going to be so helpful when you go back and try to remember for the next season when you're trying to bouquet plan, when you're trying to decide. I mean, when your CSAs work for you, I mean, this is this is what I ended up doing. That's why I do a six-week spring and a 10-week summer. I used to do a 12-week summer. I used to do Oh, when I start, I used to do a monthly subscription, but it's like, no, I'm going to build my subscriptions around when I have stuff blooming and around, around my schedule. And I always say this, it's not the life you have, but the life you want, right? So that's, what's so beautiful about subscriptions. And so if you are keeping track of that stuff, it just really, really helps do it. So do you need this journal to do it? No, no, you don't. Um, it'd be great if you bought it. I'd love the support. I think it's helpful. It's what I use. We'll see. And what's really cool about it is I went through a publisher. And so, you know, at the end of the season, I'm probably going to do another webinar like this and like, hit me with your best shot. I, I promise I can take it. Like, tell me what sucks about it and I'll change it. Like, I'm not going to change it for everyone. Like, but you know, we can, we'll definitely be able to evolve it, but I want this to be a working tool that really helps. But so anyway, that is my long and short way of saying like, just take notes of everything, find out when things are blooming. And that's point, what is going to be most beneficial of you when you're starting. If you were starting a flower farm in the thousand dollar category, what is your opinion on purchasing seed from a flower seed company versus say Menards or Runnings? It just depends what you're looking for, because not all flowers are going to be the same. You guys know this. If you go into a greenhouse, if you go into a greenhouse and you buy zinnias, like they're going to be the dwarf variety. They are genetically modified. They are GMOs. GMOs are not bad. They're just genetically modified. They are bred that way. And so sunflowers, for example, I've never seen pollenless cut flower sunflowers in Menards or Runnings. They're going to have huge stems. They're going to be the mammoth. They're going to be the size of a broomstick. Like you're not going to be able to fit more than a few stems in a mason jar. Whereas like the pro cut variety is bred for cut flowers. The bouquet itself is anywhere from four to six inches, which I mean, or the, the bloom, the flower head itself is anywhere from four to six inches. They are pollenless, so they don't drop pollen everywhere. If there's a bride, if it's on someone's dining room table, tablecloth, whatever. But a lot of those flowers that you see at, you know, Menards or Runnings, they're not suitable for cut flowers. They're just in your garden. A lot of the fancy varieties are bred for cut flowers. And there's a reason they're more expensive. And there's a reason places like Johnny Seed, Florette, Geo Seed, all of those places 
When considering your space for flower gardens, would you prefer west to east or north and south? Okay. So someone's asking um, west to east flowers or north to south. Does it make a difference? So I'm going to say don't overthink it. It's, it's really not crucial. Figure out your growing space, where your buildings are, where that's going to be. That's going to be a lot more important. So obviously you do not want to have tall plants throwing shade on your short plants. So you're not going to want to put on the south end of your garden, which I did this season one heads up. You're not going to want to put a bunch of sunflowers on the south end and, you know, snapdragons right next to it, something that thrives on sun or whatever. Although snapdragons kind of, they like the heat and then they don't like the heat and then they come back. Anyway, it's a whole thing. But I would say I wouldn't get too hung up. You know, I would just look at your actual property and I'd be more concerned about where the buildings are, where the shade is. Um, the hottest time is going to be the afternoon, anytime between like two and five when it's hottest. Um, I would be more concerned where everything else is on your property. Can you move it? Is there space to get around it? Is there, are you close to water? That type of thing. So Nicole says, that's space. That's my question. It's open everywhere. Very sunny, large yard. Okay. So then if I were you, I would go based on what works best for you. So I ended up, I really wanted my rows to be north and south where my U-pick is because when you drive by on the road and I, I hope any, any of you can come here on a Saturday morning or a Monday night on a U-pick or whatever. Um, so I really hope that you guys can make it here sometime, but I really wanted it to be aesthetically pleasing when you're driving by, but ultimately no, I have huge windows facing the sunrise, um, our bedroom, our dining room, our kitchen, like you can see, I, I, I built a new house and I positioned it to face the meadow. Um, and so I wanted those rows to be straight. And if you've seen anything on my Instagram stories, like flower farmer fiance had like a protractor out and re- like those rows are the straightest rows I've ever seen, he but that's all out. He went all out. And so, and I only wanted them 60 feet long, not 120 feet long. And so, or whatever it would have been if it was the other way. And so I just, to me, it just made more sense to go east to west. But I, I wouldn't overthink it too much as long as you think about like the wind, the sun, like it's, it's going to be your personal preference. All right. So those were most of those questions. I'm going to get any questions that are in the chat and then Abby will do her presentation and then we can come back to the chat a bit. Okay. So I would say how we did it. I always picked the nursing homes. When I first started out my nursing home program, anyone who bought a bouquet could write down and and I had a sign on my farm stand that said the nursing home of the week. So any bouquets that you buy this week, a second one is getting sent to Edgewood to, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. I've brought nursing flowers to like 20 different nursing homes. Uh, Edgewood, Serenity on 7th, uh, the one in Coldsbury, like whatever. And I would have, I like printed off a piece of paper and I said, the nursing home of the week is this place. And then what I did, and that was again, when I first got started out with my farm stand. So it would be anywhere from 10 to 30 every week. And then like every Sunday I would bring that many bouquets and they were, they were smaller. Like it was again, when I first started, started out and I would bring them all there. That's what I did when I first started out. I, I could not deliver them on demand. Um, 
There's a lot of things I could say about this. I love the nursing home sponsorship program. I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud how I turned it into something that actually is at least pays for itself. Um, it's one of those things that like people think doing good, you shouldn't make money or it should be entirely volunteer. And that just doesn't work when I have employees and I have an opportunity cost of any flowers that I'm donating, I could be selling. And so it's, it was just really hard. And then it was obviously, you know, following up with people. When I first had that farm stand, they filled out the form and I'm not saying you can't do it this way. Like I, these are, these are ideas. Like it worked for a while until it didn't, until I tried scaling up and then it just had to go. But, um, people could write down their name, their email address. And I personally, I mean, I would blind carbon copy them, but I would send an email to myself and then I would blind carbon copy all of them. And eventually I just sent one photo of the whole thing of me standing outside of the nursing home and say, thank you so much. This was great. And I know that my customers really liked that one-on-one contact. Um, So that's what I did the first year of the nursing home sponsorship. The second year I did, um, people could do either a regular subscription or a buy one, give one subscription. So if they had a monthly subscription, a bi-month or a bi-weekly or a weekly, and my weekly was 18 weeks. Um, And I had some, I had enough things in June, like between lilies and random crap in my yard, like... I don't know. It, w- it wasn't a great model because I didn't have a lot of stuff blooming in June, but people could elect to also do an extra bouquet. And I think I only charged five bucks more every time for the, for that nursing home bouquet. And it was a smaller one. The first year was everyone was buy one, give one. The second year was when you bought a subscription, you could elect to also do that. The third year I did just a nursing home sponsorship sponsorship subscription and it was a pint size bouquet. It was really small. So I did, and it was bi-weekly. And so you paid for six. And so I think I had, I don't know, 30 people buy that. So 30 times six is 180. Throughout the summer, I brought 180 mini bouquets to nursing homes. And it was kind of a it was supposed to be bi-weekly, but it was really hard to like keep track of that and with the amounts of flowers. And that's why I ended up going with the model that I did where the businesses sponsored it. Are you a member of Flower Association, local chamber of commerce, etc.? If so, what have you found beneficial? How have you built a community connection with other farmers florists via social media speaking? What recommendation do you have to build those competitions when so many are your competition? Great topic. Great topic. Um, So it's a great topic for this week. I, for the most part, keep my head down. I do not follow any flower farmers on social media within 30 miles from me unless they follow me and they interact with me. It is absolutely not a slight on them. It's my own mental health and how I can keep that... um, comparison sake, right? It's, it's how I can keep, just stay in my lane. I don't want to ever question if I did something because I was copying them or not. And it's just, I'm not worried about it. Now, honestly, I'm entering into year five and I have a lot of confidence in myself in knowing that I have really happy customers. I have repeat customers. They are not, if my customers are leaving they're not leaving me for another flower farmer. They're leaving because the economy sucks, because they can't afford flowers anymore, because they need to take a little break from it, 
because they have a busy summer. I am confident in that and it's a mindset thing. I just don't worry about it. I have been kind of heavily criticized lately and I I hate bringing that up and whatever, but I feel like I can be real with you guys. Um, There is this mentality that we should do things for free and Abby talks me off the ledge all the time because I feel bad about it. And I'm like, I shouldn't be charging for this. But it's like, no, I, I feel like I can deeply serve those people. So like my peddling perishable products course, for many reasons, I've decided to price it where I have. And I want, I would love to be able to answer every single email that asked me questions about how I did things or whatever. But for many reasons, I don't want to do podcast episodes about like my profit margins. I don't want my customers hearing that. In my Peddling Perishable Products course, I literally show my my balance sheets. I literally show everyone. I mean, that's a very vulnerable thing. And I don't want the community to know about that because it's it's none of their business. Um, and so I, I feel like I offer a lot of free resources, this webinar, the podcast, like all of these things. And I don't think that it's a bad thing. Actually, we were just talking about literally <laughs> right beforehand. Like this is how much of a nerd I am. I pulled up the FFA Creed chapter four and I'm like, see, Abby, we believe in a life abundant with enough honest wealth for others as well as myself. Like it's okay to make money and I don't have to feel guilty about that. And it is not my job to work for minimum wage so that this bride who tells me her bouquet budget is a hundred dollars and she wants it filled with ranunculus and peonies. Like it is not my job to give her that. It is not my job to do it for free. It is not, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so I would say in the long and short, that is my advice on other flower farmers. Absolutely support them. I posted something yesterday on Instagram saying that, do I believe that flower farming is for everyone? No, I do think that there's room for it to be displaced. I think that there is I mean, anywhere from, I mean, you see all these statistics, how do they know for sure? But anywhere from 70 to 80% of flowers are imported from other continents. I think there is room for more United States grown flowers. I think there's room for more local grown flowers. I do not think that the market is going to sustain itself in that we can all do subscriptions, you picks whatever it might be. I think you have to diversify. I think it's really important to think of it as food, right? So we have fast food restaurants. We have, we have grocery stores. We have fine dining. We have food trucks. There's all these different ways of getting food. There's all these different ways of getting flowers. And I think there's room. I don't think we can all do what we're doing. If you're just starting out and the market is saturated, look for the gap. Say, okay, where else can there be flowers? Maybe there's events, maybe there's weddings, whatever it might be. So I think, you know, just keeping your eye on that and knowing like, but don't be, I, I also hate hearing this like blind ignorance of like community over competition. There's no such thing as competition. Like that, that's kind of bullshit too. Like, no, but there is, there is like if another flower farmer sets up at the same farmer's market as me and there's only 10 vendors total, neither of us are going to do well. And we're both going to end up throwing things in the compost bin or one of us will be happy and one of us is going to be pissed off. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is this whole like women supporting women, girl boss thing. Like that's a lie too. Like we can't, I, I believe in supporting each other, but to pretend like it doesn't exist. And just, just because you say 
community over competition doesn't mean that it's it's not true. And so just look at it as like golden rule, platinum rule, do unto others, don't be an a-hole, there's room for us. Your other question was local chamber. So, okay, so American Cut Flower Growers Association, I don't know, I might join, I might not, I'm not sure. I have an email from like one of the past national presidents is from Minnesota and she randomly sent me an email I'm looking into joining. I'm just not sure it would be beneficial for me. Local Chamber of Commerce. I'm not in the Chamber of Commerce, Commerce, but I'm in, um, it's called TNT, the networking group, which is kind of like BNI. I'm the only florist in the group. I pay $400 a year and it's a meeting every Thursday. However, in the last eight weeks, I have sold over $14,000 worth of flowers to just group members there alone in subscriptions and nursing home sponsorships. A lot of them are going to book private events. Like it is very much worth it to go deeper and not wider in my customers. So I think they're worth it if you realize who's going to be there and who's your target customer. Yeah, definitely think about the group that you're joining. Can you help me understand succession planting and when one bed is done, how you plan to turn over a new bed? Sorry, I don't know what the turn. Don't worry. It's fine. If you don't know what the terminology is, no judgment. Um, um, I know you always want to have a bed covered. It's not understanding. Okay. So for me, succession planting would be like sunflowers is the perfect example. Um, they can't freeze. And so I keep a really close eye on them. Last year, I did a bunch of them on May 5th, even though like if they froze when they were this tall, you know, when they're an inch tall, they're going to die. However, I gambled and it paid off. Those are done blooming. If I planted them May 5th, they're roughly 55 to 60 days then beginning of July, they are done blooming. And so I would take, I have a pole saw. It's literally a chainsaw and a long pole. And I would cut the sunflowers at the base. Like I would snip them with a scissors, but then I would cut them off at the base just so that they're maybe like four to six inches tall or not even less than that. And I would plop a seed in right next to it um, and succession plant there. So if I planted those July 5th, now by September 5th, I have another group of sunflowers going again. So to kind of, yeah. So just like continuously, like knowing when they're blooming, there are some flowers that, you know, zinnias, for example, they just get tired. They just get sleepy. They don't, they're, yes, they're cut and come again for maybe three or four weeks of like really producing. I had a kid's class where people could come and cut their own flowers and there were like 60 kids here and they destroyed my zinnia patch But honestly, they just pruned it really good. And then like four weeks later, it was the most beautiful new flush. So I don't know. I'm I'm game for... And so ever since then, I've just done around May 15th, I do a whole row of zinnias. And then around June 10th, I do a whole second row of zinnias. And then typically around, you know, early August, that first row of zinnias, I just pinch them really, really hard and let them come back as a flush. So... That's kind of what succession planting is, is like staggering your planting times. A, if it's a flower that's one and done. B, if it's a flower that gets a little tired. When you do a U-pick, do you have them sign up for the event ahead of time so you know approximate attendance? Absolutely. So that's what I have chosen to do. There's different ways to structure a U-pick, and it honestly is going to depend on your customer base. It's going to depend on your flower availability, The way my model is like I sell every single stem, everything is accounted for, but I sell some premium things like certain varieties of dahlias, not just, oh, there's dahlias, like 
nope, it's certain varieties where a florist will buy 50 of this color or Lysianthus or whatever it might be. And so I sell a ticket ahead of time. I have chosen to charge a little bit more for an experience. I like to go deeper with my customers, not wider. That's exactly what I'm doing with Peddling Perishable Products. That's exactly what I'm doing with my subscriptions. If I dropped the price of Peddling Perishable Products to $500, I would have 100 people do it. I don't want 100 people to do it. Would I love to help 100 people? Yes, but I'm not going to be helping them as well. Because if they have questions and even down the road when I'm trying to like follow them and follow up and make sure that they got the resources they need, I'm not going to be able to do that well. So I'm charging what I'm charging so that I can actually follow up with them. Same thing with my picks. I charge $35 for someone to come. And if they bring a guest, it's $5 more. So if a mom brings her three kids for a Saturday morning, it is $50, which let me tell you, that pisses some people off. They think that's ridiculous. They get a really big cup. They get really pretty flowers. They get really premium flowers, but it is a quiet morning in the meadow. Most of the moms either meet their friends and leave their kids at home, or they bring one kid, they bring their daughter, and it is so calm. You've been here on Saturday yeah. mornings. Like it is just... It's peaceful. It's peaceful. And that's it's the perfect way to start a weekend. And that's what I'm selling on Saturday mornings. I am selling peaceful mornings. And I'm making the same amount as if there were 200 people where only 50 of them are buying a cup and there's kids running everywhere and they're trampling through my flower farm. And then the people that came are like, well, that was interesting. I'm never going there again. I had to park on the road. And I just am maintaining that experience by charging slightly more Um, and yeah, I, I charge a ticket ahead of time. So tips on coming up with a name, something original, um, sunny Mary Meadow. Is that the perfect ideal name? If I knew that what I was going to be doing, would I continue with it? Probably actually, because it's very sentimental and I love it, but like sunny, like, okay. Like, um, I think something that's going to be reputable. If you look up, well, here's an interesting little fact. (laughs) So to, 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 To tag on what I was hinting at earlier, um, I have trademarked the name Flower Farmer Forum and um, another group in Minnesota decided to use that name. So that was really fun having to issue a cease and desist letter this week. So um, make sure it's not trademarked. Google it. Make sure it's not another name. Check Instagram for handles. Check Facebook for pages. Yep. Yep. Just keep that in mind when people are typing something in, if it's hard to spell, like, yeah, coming up with a name. Side business only do. Okay. So if you are, you do not have to do this as a full-time flower farmer. And it's actually funny because, so my late husband was, he was a marketplace VP. So he was the head of sales of like, I don't know, 22 counties for basically farm credit. And all of his like former loan officers like give me so much crap. And they're like, quit telling all these farmers wives to quit their jobs because they need that W2 income on their balance sheet. And I'm like, well, whatever. Um, so that they can have a loan so that they can have a lot, you know, and they're joking and whatever, but it is fine if you don't want to replace your income. And I, I realize that like, sometimes it might be insulting because most a lot of women probably are just looking for something fulfilling. They're probably just looking for something to supplement their current income, get their student loans paid off, get their whatever. Like there is nothing wrong with the side hustle. Do I think it's sustainable? 
No, I don't want you guys working 60 hours a week. I don't want that for any of you. And I hope you don't want that for yourself. Um, so is it sustainable to be a side hustle? I hope not. Cause I don't want you to have to work that much. Like who wants to do that? Even if it's something you enjoy, like I don't want, like that's it no just way leads to burnout. It's no way to live. However, if it means you can cut back and, you know, switch it out. So like it, what are the signs to make a full-time business? For me, it got to the point where I realized that I was missing out on a lot of income and like mistakes were getting made and what could I hire out? And I knew that I had bigger plans for this flower farm than what I could do. Um, it's going to be personal to you. In my Peddling Perishable Products course, the very first thing that we talk about is our why. And unfortunately... <laughs> The reality is you have to assign a dollar amount to your why. If your why is that you can, you know, volunteer at your kid's school or have the winters off or travel, or maybe your sister lives out of state and you want to spend a month there in the winter, or you want to be your own boss and you want to set your schedule or whatever. If that's your why for wanting to own a business, fantastic. Like that's what you need to identify and then you have to assign a dollar amount to what you need to make. So we talk about like revenue revenue goals extensively, how to reach that, how to turn a seasonal business into year round. Um, but that's going to be the thing. It's like when you know, you know, I, it's, it's taboo to talk about money, but money is not evil. Money is not bad. It's what you do with that money. And that money can do good things. That money can bring really good things. That money can bring peace to your family. That money can bring flexibility. Like there are freedoms in life that I am chasing. I am chasing the freedoms of choice. I am chasing the freedoms of just how I want to spend my time. I am, I am chasing those freedoms and financial freedom is part of it. And that, that doesn't make it bad. And you just need to like have that mindset. So it's, it's going to be unique to you. Um, relationships with other growers. Is it weird? You know, I just, just be mindful of it. Um, you know, one of my subscription holders that's been a subscription holder for years, like she's starting a flower farmer or a flower farm. Good luck. Great. Awesome. Sweet. Like I'm just try not to get too worried about it. Um, I think there is room for everyone because like I said, I think we need to, um, I think we need to displace a lot of the locally grown flowers, but I just don't think it's for everyone. Should I try dried flowers first year? I'm not a great person to talk about for dried flowers. Ooh, podcast episode. Ooh. Sorry, we have like a Thanks running list. Thanks for the list. idea. Thanks for the idea. Um, I need to get someone on there that does. Actually, Brianna from Back 40. Yeah, yeah, she'd be she great. She does a lot. Um, the thing about dried flowers is I thought that it would be a great option for um, what doesn't sell. Um, but the problem is like they typically have to be picked even sooner. So like if you're picking something as a dried flower, it's not necessarily your leftover that didn't sell. It's intentionally picked to be a plan for a dried flower, uh, which is why they sometimes command a higher price. So it's, you know, I thought like, oh, dry the flowers and then it's the ones that didn't sell. And it's like, no, you have to pick them at their prime as well. Um, so Kate, um, how do you handle pricing for stem bars? A fat free, a blah, 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 blah a flat fee. Yes. So I do a flat fee. I don't do it by the stem. Um, there's a billion reasons that, but, um, yeah, like that I do a flat free, flat, flat fee, fee. <laughs> not, a, not a fat free. <laughs> the flowers are fat free as well. Yes. 
Amber, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I say own that. You cannot do business free. I know. I can't. I literally cannot. I, I There's not enough hours in the day. This is America. I, I like you guys, <laughs> but, you know, and, and I'm not saying like, I'm doing this for free. <laughs> like, right. I don't know. But um, anyway, so exactly what I needed. Me too, Amber. Yes. Young entrepreneurs. We all need to learn business sets younger. So awesome job parenting, Amanda. You get a Mendel. Thank you. Well-rounded, full answer to my question, Amanda. Da, da, da. It costs more than that to take three kids to the movie theater. Yes, it does. Thank you. It's all about perspective yeah. on that kind of thing. All right. Where would you prioritize getting some sort of walk-in cooler? This would be first ch- season. I'm trying to decide if it's invested. So I will say, and I'm not like I'm gonna give you a really short, brief answer, and and this is where this is where I'm the bad guy because I'm now I'm saying, well, go buy the flower farmer forum course, whatever. <laughs> But we talked about this uh, very extensively. So the Flower Farmer Forum that we hosted in person in January, we had a professional videographer there. Um, What band? Uh, He's actually currently on tour doing photo and video for Disturbed. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so it's very, very good quality video of all the speakers and the handouts. But we talked about walk-in coolers and how like you can get certain loans for them or qualify for grants because it's like, I don't know. It, really it, good in-depth conversation if you're looking for help funding yes. this cooler, which yes. will not be a cheap endeavor. And so I think um, my cooler, we used to have a butcher shop here on our farm. So it's like concrete, stainless steel, insulation, whatever. Um, I think most people end up building it that way. I'm not going to give you... I, I do want to get... Yeah, post the link to the planner. Yes, I can do that. Um, I do want to get... I'll. I'll post it in the chat while Abby's doing her presentation, which will get started pretty soon. But um, I do want to do a podcast episode on a walking cooler, how to build one. So walking cooler and dried flowers. Don't let me forget. Why don't you guys DM me on Instagram tomorrow so I remember that. Anyway, those are two good episodes. But um, a lot of people make them. They use a window AC and they attach something called a cool bot. Um, and it's it's something that you can you can get to like get it to 35 degrees. Now, be wary. Um, I have followed, you know, I've I've been following flower farmers on Instagram for six years. I have seen a lot of flower farmers lose thousands and thousands of dollars due to these CoolBot failure. Um, They walk out there with literally 3,000 tulips in their cooler and they're frozen. It's 30 degrees. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to scare you. I, I think that like it's a really good option, but that's something that if I were to do that, whereas my walk-in cooler, like that thing is just, it's a motor, like it's a butcher shop. It's, you know, beef, whatever. I definitely would get some sort of thermometer on an alert to my phone if I was, if I had that type of cooler. Extra precautions. Extra precautions. So... Have something monitoring it. Okay, I'm going to share the screen now. <laughs> and Abby is going to present on her. So we are sharing the screen. We're going to go to presenter mode. And I will put the journal in the chat while you do this. Okay. Hello, everybody. I, again, 
been here this whole time. Uh, so I am Abby. I help Liz with her podcast and social media and kind of all things internet. So I'm going to kind of get into the guts of what I would do if I was starting a brand new flower farm and I wanted to make sure that I had social media to go along with it because it's a crucial part of your business. You might not think it is and you might be thinking, well, no, I got to make sure I get my seeds ordered. I got to make sure that I have everything planned out on that end. But a social media presence is a huge part of this as well. So just a little bit about me. I am a social media strategist and podcast producer. I have over seven years as a professional online content creator, and I have an ex excessive amount of screen time a day. So just a little credibility for you. I like being on my phone. <laughs> I am an iPad baby. So your social media presence is really your digital business card. The internet is the first place people go when they want more information on a new business. Think about it yourself. You hear about a new restaurant, the first thing you're going to do is hop onto Facebook to see when they're open or if they have any specials going on. You want to make sure that your flower farm also has a good presence online because that's where people are going to seek you out first. So I broke this down into kind of three steps of what I would do if I was approached by a flower farm going, hey, I need help with my social media. What should I do? Here's the bare bones of what to do to get started. So first of all, you're going to want to create your accounts. Second of all, you're going to want to make sure people are following those accounts because you don't just want to scream into the void. And then step three is to start posting. And we'll get deeper into all of these. So step one, creating the accounts. If I were you, I wouldn't worry too much about doing things like TikTok or YouTube or even Pinterest. I would start with Facebook and Instagram. You're going to see great engagement there. You're going to actually see numbers, which you can chalk up as wins, which is awesome. And you can see some analytics too, so you can know how things are going. They're the top used social sites over and over on every single study. And what's great is they can be connected in Meta Business Suite. So that means you can plug the two together and it saves you time because you can basically post on Instagram and when you have it connected, it'll automatically go to Facebook. So it's kind of a two birds, one stone situation, which is what we use for your pages a lot. Yeah, and I actually... It's complicated. We're, we're, we're trial and error, but I actually just disconnected my Sunny Mary Meadow and I, I post a lot of different things on Instagram versus Facebook because my local customers that buy my flowers, a lot of them are on Facebook and a lot of the Instagram people as I'm starting this other endeavor of trying to find gaps in the industry and provide resources to you guys. Honestly, I'm calling it Sunny Mary Meadow coaching and I'm calling myself a coach. Full disclaimer, because there is no income tax in, or there's no, there's no, sorry, there's no sales tax on coaching in Minnesota. Look into so your tax laws. Everything that I'm doing is coaching. Is it courses? Is it resources? Is it whatever? No, it's coaching, coaching. is what we're calling it. And it's legit. Like, it's what it is. It's what it is. Um, but anyway, so it's it's just different audiences that I'm posting to and I can kind of training my customers. But I talk, I feel like I'm, but I talk about it in my Peddling Perishable Products course, but I definitely do most of my flower sales through email and I use a lot of social media to um, seek attention. It's attention seeking. And I don't feel bad about that. It's That's what how, social media like, is. Everyone, everyone, social media gets a bad reputation for like, oh, it's so attention seeking. Yeah. It's as a business, that's how I make my livelihood. That's how the lights are on. That's how I pay my, pay my bills. I get attention from social media. Mm -hmm. People get excited about my flowers. They sign up for my email newsletter because I train them to do that. Um, just like with this webinar, right? 
I didn't post it everywhere because I'm like, nope, I'm going to reward. One of you guys is going to get a free pedaling perishable products course because you guys listen to the podcast Mm -hmm. and that's who I want. I want those deep people that are ready to take the next step. We're not going to get into email marketing a ton on this today because we're not going to be able to. That's but step two. Anyway, so <laughs> my point is you can link them or you cannot or you can choose like your stories, push to both or Yeah, whatever. if there's a post that you're like, I only want this in one place, put it only in one place. But the nice thing is if general rule of thumb, if you just want them in both places, they'll link up real nice. So step two, once you have your pages created invite your friends to like your page. Your page is no good if no one's following it. You're screaming into the void, like I said earlier. Um, my This example of a status to share to Facebook is what my cousin posted for her boutique that she runs. And she saw a huge spike in followers just from people sharing her page with other people. And this is a brand new boutique. And she's like, I can't just post things. People aren't just going to buy them because I'm posting them. They need to know about it. So just posting something simple like, hey friends, I got a favor to ask of you. Go hit the three little dots, like give them very specific instructions of what to do and then hit invite all friends and then hit done and just thank them for their support. And maybe two or three people do it, but maybe you get 20, 30 likes from that, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's, it's all a numbers game, but I mean, you're going to want to, when you're first building those pages, you want to bulk it up. Yep. And step three is to start posting. Now, this is where I would usually get into it and start saying, oh, you need to have a content strategy. You need to have a plan. But when you're just getting started, that's what you need to do. You just need to start because you can have your pages, but if they're dormant and people go looking for information from you and they're not seeing any information, then it's absolutely no good. If you're looking for inspiration, that is on the next slide. So I... um. Like Liz said, it's all about trying to help people, but it's also a business. Mm -hmm. So I have created Flower Farmer Template Club, and that is a easy to follow, easy to use system for creating social media content. So basically what it is, I have created templates for an entire month. So a post every other day that you can share that is themed, timely, Uh, basically all you need to do is go in there, swap out your handle name, swap out your brand colors, maybe even put in your own pictures in a couple of them. But basically it's a month worth of content done for you that you can use on your pages to supplement with the other things that you're posting or just post these things if that's where you're at in life. It's just an easy to follow way to create content on your pages. Yeah. And if you follow me, um, I don't say, of course you do. Well, but of, of course you do, or else you wouldn't, you wouldn't be. It's my webinar. <laughs> I'm assuming you follow me. Like, that sounds really arrogant. Like, well, of course you follow me. Well, duh, obviously. Duh. Um, Abby makes 80% of my reels, most of my carousel posts. Like, it just, she makes the good ones. <laughs> like, and I'm like, oh, Abby, did you see this one? And she's like, you forgot to add music. I'm like, oh. <laughs> No, I, it's not that bad. No, I, we're doing I'm better good. than that. It's been a lot of growth anyway, in the past yeah. year. No, I'm, I used to make them all and I got fast with them. I got better with them. And then I just realized that I just don't enjoy it. Um, again, that is something we talk about in Peddling Perishable Products. We talk about a delegation and hiring matrix and how to, how to decide what you need to hire. Unfortunately, people, they look at like what they do every day and like, well, that's just what I need help with when really like, nope, it's a strategy. It's, you know, start with this, then this, then this. 
very like intrinsically looking at what you need. And the fact is I hate creating things on social media, like on Canva and like the little details, the graphic design, the graphic design. I hate it and I'm not good at it. So that's the first thing you get away. You get rid of is the things that you hate that you're not good at. And that's where Abby comes in and that's where I need to hire help. Because then I can play in the flowers yep. and I can keep picking the flowers. And like you can why? do the things that bring like, you joy. I thought that I had to hire people to do the flowers and then I got stuck being a business owner behind a computer and my butt got big and it's fine. But <laughs> Brent likes it. It's fine. But anyway. So yeah, that's kind of where I got... Um, what I got for you when it comes to getting your social media started. As always, if you have any questions along the way, I'm super easy to get a hold of. I got my phone number, my email there, um, my new website that I just built. Ooh, you fancy. built a website? I built a website. She's going to text it. <laughs> text it. Like, like, <laughs> um, we talk like four times a day. So the fact that these things got missed is kind of these huge. These things got missed. I'm a little. Um, but you can hit me funny. up on Instagram as well. It's at uh, Abby on air. Didn't put that on there, but it's pretty easy to find. So. All right. How do you know what's selling well in demand if you don't charge by the stem number of flowers? Um, I build a recipe. Otherwise, you're going to end up selling $200 when you could easily build, sell $1,000. You definitely have to have a recipe for your stem bars. It, it gets... It gets complicated if you don't. Otherwise, just grow those straight, straight stems because no one's going to buy the fillers by the mm-hmm. stem. How would you start an email list and what do you email them in the beginning? Um, that's big. Not sure what's big, but thanks. Um, Everything's anyway. big. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry. I meant it. your you pick. Sorry, I should have clarified. Oh, so like how do you know what's selling well? Honestly, things that are bright, things that are colorful. Again, people don't buy a lot of fillers. I think just honestly the the pretty flowers. That's what people buy. The majority of them do not have skills and that's fine. Like, and people don't care. They just want something pretty. They They just just want want color fun. They just want color. Um, email list. So I use MailChimp. Um, I actually, I actually just got a sponsor for the podcast. Woohoo. I can't remember what it's called, (laughs) but it doesn't start yet. It starts with a T. Uh, and, and it's going to be really exciting. They're going to do an episode where I interview them and then, but I'm not doing a very good job of like, Oh, you're just taking their money. No, they are very good. Um, we did our due diligence. We don't just take any sponsors. Yes. That's why we're so excited. We're so excited because we like, nope, nope, nope. But what they do is they compare all these different types of email marketing programs. I use MailChimp for my customers. The one that you guys got the email through here with the website is through Kajabi, which is what my course website or my coaching website is through. I think that there's pros and cons to both. I'm still learning this. You guys got the email on Sunday that said the webinar is tomorrow because we actually like switched the day around accidentally. So thanks for not logging in last night. If you did, I'm sorry. Again, it's so I have like a welcome email that just says like as soon as they sign up, it says, hello, thanks for being here, whatever. And that's all they get when they sign up. Like, you know, heads up. And then I say in there, like, make sure you're checking these emails. Um, once in a while (laughs) I'm like Taylor Swift, obviously. (laughs) Uh, I throw little Easter eggs in there. Like once in a while I'll be like, Hey, heads up. We have, you know, ranunculus bouquets. The first five people that email me back are going to get one for 20 bucks or just, or you did like like your tulip bulb sale. Yes. My tulip bulb sale was only on the email. I didn't post it through Facebook. I didn't post it again. Like just train them, like make a little bonus, like an incentive to do it. Because then when I send a really important message, then it's there. Um, yeah. Do you find yourself? Oh yes. Um, so 
I mean, if you're going to have events, you need to have kind of a thick skin. You need to be a little bossy. You need to give people some direction. It amazes me. I'm actually thinking about changing the name of my you picks to you pick and you arrange. Just to make it Just crystal clear. Just to make clear. it crystal clear. Because like people, I mean, it's fine. But when 20 people are coming up to me and handing me a bouquet and mm-hmm. I want the Saturday mornings, like, so my fiance Brent, he's got a lot of hobbies, obviously. Like he just like left for Colorado until Sunday. Like, okay, it's a whole thing. Anyway, I, like I promise I'm not mad at him. Anyway, so then, oh, and now here's my kid that just woke up. Can you say hello? Say hello to everyone. My Delia just woke up. On my Saturday mornings, on my picks, I want to have my kids there with me, right? Like, I don't want to have to get a babysitter for it. I want them to be easy. I have an employee. I have a second person always there with me. But if we need to... Good night. Oh, okay. She's gone. Um, but if we need to have a second person there, like, or I always have a second person there to, like, check them in. They've already pre-bought the ticket. We help them a little bit, give them instructions. But, like, it's not a one-on-one session, Um, so just kind of train them that way and say like, yeah, whatever, like just keep adding more, like make it Mm -hmm. look good. Um, the thing about you picks and again, training, training your customers, expectations are huge. They're not going to last as long as the subscriptions, the subscriptions, we are done picking by 8am and we pick it in the cool of the day. Um, we absolutely, um, you know, we're done picking by 8 30 in the morning or whatever it is. And like we put them in the cooler for 12 to 24 hours. Like these bouquets have a very long base life versus the you pick. Sometimes it's 10 30 in the morning on a Saturday. It's already 80 degrees. Like that is not mm-hmm. the prime time to be picking a stem, but that's what we do. Um, Nicole, do you buy a ticket online somehow? Yep. I have a ticket. I have a ticket maker, um, for when I take events on my website. Um, I will say like, my tickets, my website, how I use my email, my website platform, my insurance that I have, my, how I do my, you know, organizing for my book, where I buy my plugs from, stuff like that. Like all of that is in the peddling course, like the, like the, the behind the scenes of what exactly it'll it answer is. every it question everything. you have. And um, then some. <laughs> but I, so Yes, I do. Um, I, I have them buy a ticket online. Um, I set a certain quantity. I have a quantity of 30 picking and 30 viewing. And I can always just kind of adjust that as needed. Like if the picking completely sell out and there's only six or 26 watching ones left or something like, okay, we'll all add a little more. And I can always just kind of modify that numbers, but I don't want more than X amount of people here. I do a three hour window so that they can kind of come. All right. Thanks so much for listening to a bonus episode of Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. This was the webinar for the three-part mini series, How I Would Start a Flower Farm. I hope you guys found this um, informative. You definitely would have got a lot more out of it if you were on the actual webinar versus the voice recording, um, but hopefully it was still helpful. Um, We do these typically once a month. Um, They're always in the episode notes um, for like upcoming episodes. Otherwise, my Instagram is at sunny mary meadow um that's the place where you're going to find a lot of the resources my facebook page is definitely a lot more related to like the local customers but the instagram page um, is a lot more tailored to like flower farming and resources um and again we also have a private or we also have a facebook group that you can join um for the podcast as well so thanks so much for being here 
Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Sunny Mary Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com. Flowers, flowers, we love flowers. Sunny Mary Meadow, they smell so good. Sunnymarymeadow.com. <laughs>